Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. Just here walking around. We're gonna go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck before. I just shot a freaking big buck. Get that one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. This is the first podcast that's going to launch in this fall for the the 2023 Michigan bow season. And this podcast, I think, is going to be a great episode uh, for leading into this this opening week. It's actually just a conversation I have my my buddies uh, Mason and Drew that are on the Illinois lease with me. We got together and uh, hopped on the computers and all did a. Uh, a call with each other and just kind of went over our, our scouting trip we took earlier this uh, this past month, uh, September. I think it was like the second week of September we went down to our lease and did some scouting and did some trail cam moving and kind of spent some more time in individual spots uh, thinking of how we're going to access that and, you know, get a few trees picked out in our minds that we can hunt. But, yeah, it was a great conversation. I mean, we, we talked about a whole bunch of cool things, just like your typical buddies getting together. You know, going over how we felt about the scouting trip, how we feel about the deer we have on trail camera, some of the gear we're using uh, for this this hunt, this upcoming hunt on the lease, because we're kind of treating it like our deer camp kind of for the year. We we got a place booked up for, I don't know, seven days or eight days or something like that. And, you know, I don't know if we'll all be there at the same time or the whole time, but we'll definitely have people in camp at the same time. And uh, it's going to be a good time. We're going to we're going to just enjoy the comp- each other's company. Uh, like I said, it's going to be like kind of that deer camp vibe. And we get the, my dad's going to be there. Uh, Mason's dad's going to be there on the lease. Of the five of us had the lease together. And I think even Drew's brother and his dad are going to kind of stay in the same place we are. And they're going to um, they're gonna hunt some, some public land around the area. So, yeah, it's going to be, a, I mean, we could have seven guys in camp. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah, I think this is just a good episode to kind of lead us into this fall. Uh, and to kind of get people jacked up for things to come. I know uh, the first few weeks of October can be kind of miserable with weather conditions and, you know, lack of uh, mature deer or sightings or, you know, just a good overall buck movement for some people and some properties that people may have. I think uh, I would be lying if no matter how good of a property I have uh, the first few days of October, I still, my favorite time to hunt is that tail end of October in the first uh, week or two of November. 
there's just something about that as a hunter. It's cooler. You get the weather fronts. The leaves are falling. Uh, the bucks are rutting or, you know, doing that pre-rut. And this that's the time we all like to be out in, that, out in the woods enjoying creation and doing those kind of things. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not necessarily like I'm excited that it's October 1st tomorrow, but I could do without the 83 degrees or whatever they're forecasting. But I'm still going to get after it. Uh, one of the landowners that I have permission to hunt his property, he would really like to get some snack sticks and some summer sausage this year. So I kind of, I'm going to kind of have a mission to uh, go get a doe for him. And I have a lot of does on some of my property, like more than normal uh, amount, especially in one area. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, it's been probably 10 or 15 years since I've seen this many deer in these areas. So I don't know if it's probably, probably something to do with crop rotation and, you know, maybe easy. And it was an easy winter in some of the spots. So I think there was a really good overall rebound, but, uh, definitely it's, I guess it's a good thing to have a lot of deer, but I mean, there's an overwhelming amount of does compared to bucks. So yeah, I kind of, you know, take 2023 is going to be the year of the doe. I think for me, I'm going to try to do my part and manage that and, you know, shoot, shoot what I feel is, uh, adequate for an area. I don't think I can touch really what I don't think I can do enough to all the properties I have, but I can at least go through and help and then, yeah, bring friends maybe and, you know, family members get out there and, you know, do do a nice doe harvest this year. And, you know, that could all change. They might, in a way, I might just have a skewed, uh, a skewed opinion on it because of the time of year and, the, like I said, the crop rotation. So maybe when the deer disperse a little more going into the later October or November, it'll be a little, it'll balance out to what I'm used to seeing. But right now with trail cameras and the scouting, I'm seeing an overwhelming amount of does. You know, and that's, some people like that going into the, you know, the November, if you, you know, hunt where the does are. But when there's, when there's a lot of does, I don't even hardly see any bucks because I think they just lock down the doe right away and they don't have to really work to find another one. So they just go doe hopping really, really quick. So yeah, that's kind of my mindset so far. This first few days of October, I'm going to be aggressive. I was really, I really want to be aggressive tomorrow night. Uh, there was a deer that was popping up by Mr. Krabs. I've talked about him kind of consistently in a food plot that me and Henry put in. And, uh, I was, uh, I got a, I got, it's a really nice area cause I can kind of hunt on multiple winds. I hang and hunt around this spot every time. I don't have any presets. So I was, uh, kind of monitoring the wind condition and the conditions and this deer was coming out, you know, in daylight into this plot. And I have this plot really close to some bedding. So it's kind of a tricky spot to be because you got to access it, uh, right. You got to kind of go out of your way and then you got to, uh, get in and get set up quick because, you know, does and fawns and stuff, you know, usually move a lot sooner. And then you have to be there and somehow hunt it in a way that you can let all those other deer kind of filter through waiting on the, you know, the mature deer or the deer you're trying to shoot. So yeah, he was consistent when we had a little better weather earlier this week. And then now going into this, you know, this warm, this warm up we have, uh, yesterday was a little warmer, but he didn't, he didn't show up yesterday and he wasn't there anytime this morning or last night. So I think I'm going to kind of just play it safe. And if he pops up maybe today, or if, you know, the, I have a, you know, feeling that, the cool down going from being hot and sunny is going to, um, is going to happen tomorrow that I can get in there and play the thermal game and, you know, get them going. I mean, sometimes it's good when you don't have them every day because deer like to run cycles. I feel like at least where I'm hunting. So I never really get like a week straight or even three days straight. It's usually a day here or there. Sometimes I get back to back days. So 
I don't want to be playing catch up. So if he doesn't show up, that's like that's the thing I got to decide. If he doesn't show up today, and he didn't show up yesterday, he could be showing up tomorrow. So I kind of have to weigh that. And I think um, I think if the conditions are right, and I feel really good about getting in clean and getting out clean, I'll probably take advantage of that. So yeah, I'm pumped for that. Everything's dialed. I mean, both shooting great with broadheads. Uh, I got my my backpack all set up for my you know my saddle and my climbing sticks. And everything's feeling really good. I'm doing the little, you know, I've been carrying a camera in the woods with me for, you know, probably eight, eight or nine years. Uh, not consistently, obviously. I don't try. To, I don't have a YouTube channel or anything like that. But I typically always have a camera with me of some sort just to kind of document stuff. And it's nice to look back and say, oh, I did this, you know, two years ago when corn was here, or when beans were here, or whatever. I hunted this spot on this day or this time frame, and I like to say, you know, I have this wind. I have this kind of a thing, and then I just got like a little snippet that I can go back and look at it, because I'm not really good at like writing a list down or doing anything like that or logging after a hunt, so I kind of take advantage of doing that while I'm in the tree, because uh, that's when I actually have some free time while I'm hunting. So yeah, it's nice to kind of go back and look over those, but yeah, the camera is going to be with me. I almost filmed a, a doe get shot early doe season. I shot the doe, but she walked off a of frame, so... It'd be kind of fun to get that. I've been trying to get a deer killed by bow on camera for many years. It usually happens when uh, I don't have the camera with me because I'm sick of lugging it around or the batteries are toast. I think the one year I brought the camera up in the tree and had it all set up and I had like the camera only ran for like five minutes and it died. And then, I'm, then I ended up shooting a deer that night. And then I've shot does that same way. Uh, camera battery's dead or I didn't charge it or it's too cold. Because I didn't really understand how uh, temperature really affects those little camera batteries. So I've kind of up, upgraded my battery, uh, backup battery system, and got some things running so I can plug into a bigger power source. And that seems to handle the elements a lot better. So yeah, I think that'll be fun. So yeah, goal is to shoot a doe for a landowner and get that out of the way early October uh, so he's happy. And then I'll be happy because I love summer sausage as well. And then, uh, yeah, then just strategically, I want to be, you know, moderately aggressive even though it's gonna be warm and then we really have that good cold front coming in thursday i believe so that is gonna i think that could be a really really good hunt for anyone hunting that front that i mean i've capitalized on fronts like that in early october many times but you have to make sure your access is money and you have to you know it you don't want to be diving into a spot uh like just because it's early october and that front is really good that's not the same way you'd hunt a front in you know late October, early November, because there's a lot more there's a lot more leaves on trees and foliage. They might be bedding a little different than you think. So you got to be you got to be strategic with how you do that. But hopefully you guys get after it, and someone can connect and have a great hunt going into this week. But yeah, thanks guys for all the support and uh, listening to the podcast. I do want to say a little thing. I did realize that one of the po- episodes I did with uh, Shane uh, Loney which was an awesome episode. Uh, if you guys listen to Spotify, I so when I uploaded that or file to the Empire, uh, I didn't realize that my computer had filled up with uh, storage. Um, I'm not a techie guy, and I have this this Mac computer, and there was a bunch of like, I don't even know how to explain it, but I thought I had a bunch of room, but really I didn't. So I didn't realize the hard drive was full because I was deleting stuff and you know transferring things over. And... I, uh, yeah, the, it said complete, you know, converted to the file it needed to be sent it to him. He uploaded it. And then that more, that Monday morning I was listening and I was like, it's only 30 minutes long. What the heck's going on? It was like an hour and a half conversation. 
So I rectified that at my lunch break that day, got it all situated, sent it to him, and he redid it. However, for some reason, Spotify did not uh, upload re-upload it correctly. So if you, uh, if any of you guys uh, want to listen to the rest of that episode, you can go onto my Instagram, Michigan Wild Pod, and uh, it's one of the links in my uh, profile. I have that, or you can uh, go on like I think on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those other ones. It upload the full version. So um, yeah, if you guys want to give that a, if you know needs has a time this week and you want to listen to that, that's a great episode talking about how he was able to connect on. Dude, that buck was like 160 inches. It was awesome, and you know it was it wasn't a typical 160, but I mean it had some cool character. It was a you know it was a, a mature deer. He had history with uh, that area, so he kind of knew how to attack it in early season. He had done you know a mock scrape in a spot, and he just kind of goes through his mindset with how he attacked it, and I love it. Like very very uh, strategic and how he did it, and how he's always tweaking and trying to get better. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a really cool episode, and I think if you can, you know, you know, obviously we all have different places we hunt. Some properties just are not good early season properties. So, but maybe if you have this in mind, you can, when you're driving around the summer and the fall, you can look at a spot, or when you're looking at your maps, you'd be like, you know what, maybe that would be a good spot early, you know, early October spot if the weather gets right. Knock on that door, and you might get permission, and that might be one of those areas that you only hunt once every couple of years. Or, you know, maybe get one hunt a year out of, but hey, if it's what you got to do to get out there, take advantage of it. So yeah, thanks for the support, guys. Uh, hopefully everyone has a wonderful week and can get out in the woods, be safe, wear your harnesses. You know, if you're hanging tree stands, put that harness on with alignments, you know, to be safe, have, you know, have a lifeline and a tree for your presets. I mean, spend the, I think they're like 30 or 40 bucks a pop which I know can add up if you have a lot of presets, but it's a lot cheaper than all the medical bills you may have to pay or what your family have to pay if you're not around and, you know, doing things that the max potentially can do it. So be safe, you know, get out there and uh, enjoy it. Also, if you do have the opportunity to release an arrow, be responsible with how you, uh, when you release the arrow and when you go track that deer. I know I've made the mistake uh, of tracking too early or, you know, taking a, a low percentage shot and not just, not just waiting. And trust me, it's not worth the heartache. Uh, so if you need to, uh, call a tracking dog possibly, or talk to some, get a good group of buddies in and, you know, discuss what's going on, you know, give that deer some time or, you know, if you need to, or whatever it may be, go hop on social media. There's so many deer tracking, uh, people out there and a lot of very knowledgeable people that can help you with that. But yeah, get after it. And have a good week, guys. should be hot and we are hot all right for this week's episode on michigan wild i got my two buddies drew and mason and this is online this is the first three-way of a podcast with you guys doing <laughs> digitally so yeah. hopefully it all comes across good but 
So Drew's been on before a couple weeks ago, and then this is Mace, Mason's on for the first time, and we're on this lease down in Illinois together. So uh, Mason, why don't you just give us a little update about what the heck you got going on, who you are, that kind of thing, because we kind of all know about Drew a little bit already. So your turn to kind of introduce yourself. All right. So uh, I am Nate's friend, Mason. Um, been mentioned in the podcast a couple times. Uh, I met Nate through work a couple years ago, and um, everything just kind of actually was uh, we met over talking about deer hunting in the middle of February, stapling around running trucks. <laughs> it was cold. Yep. And here we are a couple years later on a lease in Illinois together. So I um, think it took about two days and we became best friends you know, yeah, that. very much <laughs> it's crazy how deer hunting brings people together right yeah that's pretty much how that went so yeah we uh yeah tore up with deer hunting and yeah i guess mason's probably to blame for this whole lease thing that we got going on because mm-hmm. me and drew are just the ones saying yeah we'll do something and then mason saw this and was like dude we're doing this you guys in we're like yep and you were the pretty much the spear out on that deal you got yeah, it going, you se- so you sent it to me in February on just like a whim. Yeah. I think I was at I was at work on a job in Ohio, and I think I stopped everything I was doing that afternoon. <laughs> called, called this guy, and then I was on the horn with you guys trying to figure out if we could do it because it was uh, a short window to make it happen. Yeah, we didn't. We, and we got to walk it, so mm-hmm. which was the coolest thing we were talking about. So, what was your like first opinion of the property, Mason? Because I mean, you had you work out of state. So like you were in Ohio working kind of at the time. So like you'd scouted some like hilly stuff in the area, right? Like you uh, walked yeah, around I, some public. Yeah. It's Southern Ohio. Um, a little bigger country down there, but uh, first take of the property was, uh, um, it wasn't flat like where we come from. That's for sure. So everything, mm-hmm. everything was up uphill from the road. And then once you got to the peak, everything was downhill. So um, right off the bat, it felt a lot bigger than, what we thought it was you can't see the north side of the property from the south side you can't see the east side of the property from the west side it hunts a lot bigger than what it actually is um the topography of it's just great because it breaks it up yeah and you guys both hunted that indiana the year we became best friends pretty much you know that was your your first year so you guys have i mean i've hunted hills but i feel like you guys actually like probably walked more Every time I've walked anything with hills in it, it's like a smaller property. So, like, I've been, like, confined to property lines. When you guys went down to Indiana, you had the whole place. So, you guys walked tons of stuff. And you were, like, kind of – you guys kind of had that mindset going into, like, hey, we found sign, this kind of thing. And I remember we targeted those areas when we first walked it and found what we wanted to find. Yeah, and I think we we realized the structure of hills pretty quickly once we got to Indiana because I know Mason, when we first got in there, is like – all right, we're just gonna. It was it was only like a mile or half mile, whatever, to get into this one spot. And it's like, all right, we're just gonna bomb right there. And sure enough, we we look over. There's this big ravine. Mason's like, all right, I think I'm gonna bomb down this thing. And sure enough, it took him like an hour just to get back up the other side of the hill. <laughs> Man, <laughs> we didn't realize what we got ourselves into here. No, us flatlanders don't know what the heck we're doing sometimes. <laughs> no. But hey, it's a good learning curve. So we did. So we scouted the first time all together when we before we yes the lease we walked it we liked what we saw we set a bunch of cameras up and we got a few bucks right away on camera so we were kind of pumped and then it kind of fizzled out i would say we kind of were like anticipating this to be pretty fantastic because it's beans so we're like 
all through the summer like man where are all these pictures at and we're like do we is there ehd is there you know anything like that we didn't really know so then we kind of set up a time we got to go down what was it been like two weeks now we ago we went down this you know me us, and then your dad what did and then we what was your thought when we went back i guess either one of you guys you guys got there first the first night a few hours before me but you guys kind of walked around and you guys were pretty pumped up i feel like well, yeah, we hadn't been down there since February. Nobody knows what it looks like. It was green. And what we pulled in and a little, I don't know, 110.6 point just popped out of the woods while we were standing by the truck. Yeah. So we were pretty pumped up even walking in there. And we were all just ran to the cameras. And then uh, that's when the, the, the learning curve started. <laughs> Realized the cameras weren't, uh, at least, the, at least the, the standard cameras, not the cell cams, but the yeah. standard cams were not back and you know maybe could have lost out on some pictures but you know that's the that's the risk you take when you go down there in february and you you put out a bunch of cameras and expect them to you know work fully but i think we we definitely gathered the intel we wanted to gather when we were down yeah, there we you were able to like see what was going on we had the few cameras that you saw so like we looked at them that night so the next morning we had like a good game plan like mm-hmm. okay deer are here there's tracks you guys can find the trails like all that stuff like we just got to kind of tweak these locations so pretty much like the first game like one of the cell cams you guys moved that first night and we had it i feel like we had in a decent spot what we felt like was good for like movement you know Mm -hmm. but we we only missed that one by like what how far would you move that camera 20 yards Uh, 20 yards and uh, you don't know yet mason but we got a grandpa i think he's an eight or a ten but he's using that scrape at 12 o'clock today. Yeah. <laughs> no, really? Nice. So, so that was like just well, that, that little move. It's just example. crazy. That yes. little move. They're using that topography just a little bit differently. And, you know, they found well, a flatter spot to move across. Well, when we walked in February, we had a whole different take on the property. We figured they were using it north, accessing it north and south. Mm-hmm. And then we got down there two weeks ago. It was the total opposite. They're running it east and west in a pretty much giant circle, depending mm-hmm. on wind direction. So we yeah. were just off just about where all of our cameras we didn't move them very far we moved them up the ridge or down the ridge yeah but we were in the right area they were just I, um in I front of it that, or behind it you yeah. know i think for that it's definitely well we felt it when we were walking it it's definitely that thermal funnel you dude, know you, dude you no. got wind coming over the over the top of the ridge and then you got thermals pulling up or you know vice versa and it, you just got to find that right spot and that's where that, they're moving that dead zone in the middle Mm-hmm. which is going to make it tough come this fall yeah well do we kind of knew access was like it's got good access i feel like like it could be way worse like we, we have we at least can work with it it's just going to be you know like when we went out there this 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 last trip i brought some milkweed with me and you're just dropping it and it's like okay 20 yards over here it's doing one thing and then you go over here and it's doing something completely different so like you know typically how i like to access stuff flatland is you can make like a, a wide sweeping you know you know half moon shape into your spot maybe or you can do like a more aggressive like 90 turn into your spot you know depending on what you got for cover and stuff there it's going to be like we need to just completely avoid like you can't even walk across some of that because your set stream is going to get pulled so far in the morning because you know one thing we were talking about a lot too like i've learned with like thermals like even in the morning they don't it takes a while for them to rise so i've been screwed because i'll think oh it's morning time my thermals will be rising when it's a dead calm day you walk across and it's like no for the first two hours 
my thermals are just getting sucked into this inside corner or you know the low spot that i'm trying to hunt over so we're definitely going to be creative when we go into there for that so we learned that and we learned that hey 20 yards makes a big difference on trail cameras yeah because i mean we yeah we set a couple you know i brought a couple more cams to set when we got rid of two of the sd card ones because they pretty much died but uh we uh moved them slightly and we instantly saw what we wanted to see that's for sure i mean within the first night we had a couple tutor bucks on camera and you know using the ridges is how the deer use them but mm-hmm. the those locations how they access the ridge or come off bedding um i think we just found those spots and definitely paid off pretty quickly yeah that yeah, was just, yeah go for it mason so again, like we set up cameras for the fall too. So we have cameras that are hot right now, but we have also ones all over that are going to be set up for more come November. I mean, we're not, none of us are going back till then. So we're just going to let them marinate and see what, see what the story tells here coming a month or two. Yeah. And I, we've already seen a couple bucks, like hit a cam, work a scrape. That's by either a Mach one or one that we've spiced up a little bit. And I'm like, every time I see that, I'm like, Oh, he's just checking where, He's just getting a little inventory himself, you know. That deer is gonna be back. But what do you? Th- so what do you think? Um, yeah, like Mason, you were you really were liking that one spot, um, that uh, that one ridge to the north, or that kind of right. That was your drainage, or I don't know if it's a drainage or draw, or whatever you want to call it. But you really like that spot. Yeah, it's just impossible to get to. Uh huh. Without <laughs> blowing the whole place out, so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's yeah. You were like just I you loved that spot from the beginning. And what we saw today, like the last trip and what this last time, it was like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like I think you're dead on what's going on there, but like you said, how the heck do you hunt that? <laughs> you gotta go in at three in the morning and just lay all <laughs> settle back down by the time you get. <laughs> yep. And then that's gonna be a big learning thing for us. Like like I almost like we might even not, not even be able to hunt some mornings, you know. That's kind of what I kind of um, you know, especially that western ridge, we've been seeing a lot of that that camera activity in the morning, like five fifty to six a.m. and it's like constant. It's within minutes every day of those bucks using that ridge going back to bedding. It's like it's almost impossible because you'd be walking in there and then they're trying to come in behind you. But if we could find their loop and catch them in the evening, I think that's mm-hmm. the time to get them. Yeah, they might, you know, they might do that little thing later in the morning, uh-huh. you know, once the crops are off or like they're running hard. But that's like you don't even want to walk across there until you can like see. So we might have to play that whole gray light game, which I know like I've done here in Michigan with pretty good success in field edge, you know, ag country because I just, you know, find a high spot high point and just class it and if there's nothing in the field i just i literally will jog across the field mm-hmm. you know but this is a little bit bigger and hillier so i ain't jogging across that i'm gonna <laughs> have a heart attack <laughs> I think up there. Gonna take us take us learning too uh, you know if you if we do find that bulletproof access and you get that first cold front in october whatever to get them on your on their feet just a little bit later towards daylight and you might have a very good opportunity at that spot you know or spots yeah. like that so what do you i mean we kind of talked, me and Drew kind of talked a little bit about our expectations. You know, we're trying to, we're holding out for like a four and a half or five and a half year old deer that we can tell, you know, I think, you know, obviously we're not going to know because we have no history, but we're going to target, you know, mature deer. But from what I've seen on camera, we have 
I mean, we have like four or five bucks that probably like classify that age group we're going for, mm-hmm. I would say. And then I'd agree. I'd agree with you. And that one is man, spicy. Like that's <laughs> the year that I'm like, yes. <laughs> if yeah. we got a picture of one. I mean, we're not talking a booner here, but I'm saying like a really good like buck, like a top end buck, like bigger than anything I've shot, bigger than anything I think any of us have shot. Yeah. So I mean that that in itself makes the trip in the excitement to go down there totally worth it in my opinion yeah absolutely seeing seeing bucks like that makes it makes it worth it i mean makes the camera shift and you know all that it's definitely told us that the the investment has paid off at least a little bit you know regardless of success or we're 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 in the we're in the chips mm -hmm. just matter matter that was the whole that was the whole point of going I shouldn't say that far south, but that was uh, the huge draw for us to Illinois, which just to increase the odds of an opportunity at a mature animal that you would not be able to find back home. Not that easy. I mean, if we just, you know what I mean? Like in, here in Michigan, you know, our, our lease is 120 acres. For us to like find a lease like that and all of us be on it and for it to be, to have a deer like we've got pictures of, I mean, we'd be ecstatic if we had one. You know, well, that's one of those, and you go down there and you have that many more. So I think it's just mention, uh, somebody... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Drew. <laughs> I was just saying, not to mention, like, even topography. I mean, we're releasing 120 acres, but we're not leasing 120 acres of flat ground or mm-hmm. ag or what. I mean, we have ag on the property, but like we mentioned before, it hunts so big that we can easily hunt multiple people on the property and not see the same deer probably in the entire day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's spots I hunt that I can see if, if I was really paying attention and looking for people, I bet I could see five or six people pretty easily, you know, in a <laughs> half mile area, <laughs> like just glassed, you know, cause it's so flat. But what, uh, so what are you doing right now? I know you talked a little bit about four, you just got done shooting your bow, right? Mason. Yeah, yeah, I went after work, went to this, uh, around Indianapolis, not many uh, chunks of state land even go throw a target out, so you got to go to, like, a designated range. So I went to this, it was like a makeshift bow shop, and then they had, uh, um, like, a 3D range, and then just, like, bags for, like, uh, I don't know, for the competitive competition, ASA guys, more of the paper stuff, but then on the far side, they had uh, 20 to 110 yards of block targets. Oh, it's like sweet sign me up i'll pay 10 bucks you know it's an afternoon give me so what am i gonna do after work you know what i mean and like i said we're getting close and i have been the most diligent when it comes to shooting bows and like i was telling you guys earlier before we got on the call and slash the fresh batch arrows and wanted to see if they fly straight so it's like well what's better to do it's a beautiful evening down here so i said let's go uh let's go shoot at least until dark and let's just say i have not shot my bow enough this year man my shoulder is sore <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're not young pups anymore i mean you guys are younger than me but yeah i mean shooting your bow used to never hurt at all but now it's like oh man yeah i shot that thing a little too many times so how'd you <laughs> shoot like overall like how'd you feel shooting oh i i felt felt pretty good it was probably probably the best outing of the summer granted um i wasn't shooting at a small target does that make sense i took a, a roll mm-hmm. of duct tape with me put an x out there but i mean we were shooting softball sized groups at 60 yards so oh nice i feel dude. I'm confident for the season, but you know, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. That's so. what I mean. You can always be better. I mean, yeah. How much do you want to nitpick yourself? You know, 
Like, especially at distance, you see videos of guys shooting hundred yard groups. You're like, oh man, I, I should I should be able to do that, but it takes a lot of effort to get to that point. Right, and, so and for me, confidence at arrow, sixty is easy at thirty. What was that? What arrow setup did you end up going with? So I went with I mean, I've got the Easton Axis four millimeter match grades, three hundred spine, and then I went with a different fletching instead of like the stock blazer short fletching and went with the AA max which are I don't know, I think they're like three quarters of an inch longer and then they're mm-hmm. just a tiny bit shorter there's not much of a difference in height but and then I put a three degree right helical on them and like nice. I didn't even have to, I didn't have to retune anything to have to move a rest air was weren't mm-hmm. jockeying I mean they, everything was flying true that's good what are you do you have like an insert on that arrow yeah just the stock 50 gram um, well, it's an outsert. It's half outsert. and half out. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Half out. They. Uh, I think it's yeah. Like you said, fifty grain aluminum half out. Yep. That's what they come with. And then, like I said, we're shooting whitetails. You know what I mean? We don't need something super frontal heavy. Even oh, come on, my six hundred thirty <laughs> green arrow is awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it definitely. Yeah, I'm not shooting that those this year, but yeah, I shot six thirty for the last like three years and. Yeah, a bit, bit much, you know, but, man, when you hit a deer with them at 20 yards, it zips right through everything. But you really sacrifice uh, if you want to shoot 40 yards. You know, that difference mm-hmm. from 20 to 40 yards is, like, substantial. So kind of settled at, like, 500 greens for this year. And let me tell you what, worked pretty good in that doe I shot early doe season. Yeah, you made quick work of that. Mm-hmm. In the morning, I got it, too, which is crazy. First time I've ever done an early doe hunt, too. It was like my dad was laughing because he's like, yep, Nate, pretty much about 10 minutes before dark on Friday night. I was like, I think I'm going to shoot a doe tomorrow morning. And then goes out there and just goes zaps one. And I <laughs> laughed. <laughs> and I was like, it could only work that way every time. But no, that's no. uh, I shot my first deer ever in early doe season with a bow. So, yeah. So I know, I know the feeling it's, it's, it's hot, it's buggy and it's, you're never been more excited to get out there and kill. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I had a, I had a doe and a, a couple does come in. I went to a spot, it's right by my house. So it's like super easy to get to. And I was like, all right, I'm using my bow. I'm going to try to film this. Like that was my goal. And I went up in a preset stand, actually a stand that Henry hunted with me last year. So I mean, it's only like 12 feet off the ground. It's, you know, it's got three separate climbing sticks and then a platform. It's in like a, it's in like three tree trunks, you know, coming out of the ground. And I'm like right in between them all. So it's like a sweet little spot. And it's right on the edge of a food plot that we put in, in an inside corner. And uh, there's oak trees there and then the food plot. So, I mean, it's like great spot for does. And I, I have not had a big buck on that camera yet all summer. So I saw, I glassed a nice one on that out of there early summer, but he's never walked by my camera so i was like what perfect spot to go i don't have any big bucks i go there shoot a doe it's not gonna ruin anything uh so i had but i didn't trim the tree out like i i don't know why i trimmed out like lower stuff so i like walk to the stand easy but never thought about climbing up in the dumb thing i climbed up there and loosened the straps but never hopped in the stand and was like oh i should probably cut some of those branches out because all the leaves are on them so they're hanging you know like crazy so i get up there i'm like cool i can shoot 10 yards into the food plot and i can shoot like 20 30 yards out into the woods like 
whatever. If it works, it works. But sure enough, a doe comes right down the field edge. Perfect. Hits this little mock scrape I made on the edge of the field. And I got the camera on her the whole time. I'm like, sweet. Have no shot. Can barely see her with the naked eye. <laughs> and uh, I was like, this is great. And then she walks like eight yards in front of me. And I'm trying to film it. And she's it's dead calm. I mean, it, I was playing the thermals a little bit because the you know the way the sun rises over the the field that the food plot gets sun right away in the morning. So my thermals are just like poof, sucking out into the field, which was great. No idea I'm there. Go to pull my bow back and like just my body moving and like trying to pull the bow back. It made like the littlest noise or something, and she just freaked. Like she just kind of like trotted off. And I was like, sweet, another video camera freaking ruined a hunt for me. Like, and I was like, <laughs> I, dude, I was like so like pumped. Like my heart was pounding. I was like, man, it's like I'm shooting a buck because you went there with the intention of shooting it. Usually it's like I'm hunting and the doe comes by. I was like, ah, yeah, I think I'll shoot the doe. You know, this was different. Like I was targeting the doe. So I was like really right. into it. So it was funny. And then fortunately for me, another group of deer came through and this one worked into the woods and went to the oaks and was eating some acorns. Like this is probably like 830. And, um, Looped through and came in. I shot the thing at like 10 yards, quartering two with a mechanical broadhead, and it went uh, blue through her. I was nah. I was very impressed. Yeah, I mean, you sent me that Snapchat in the morning, and I was like, dang, sweet. Mm-hmm. So it feels good to get that done. But she walked out of the frame of the camera, so I didn't get my uh my video kill on camera. I dude, I've been trying so long to shoot a deer with my bow on camera that I just suck. I can never do it. Yeah, I went through the links a couple years ago. I purchased a camera arm, and by the time you get set up in the tree and you get everything perfect and then you don't see anything, it's like, man, that was a lot of work for nothing. You know what I mean? A lot, yes. Just, I had just completely given up on it. So, But it was nice, though, on the, on the video, though. I did – so I shot her, and, like, I knew it was a good shot. It was point-blank range. I'm 12 feet up and, like, just zapped her, you know, right where the neck and the shoulder meet. So, I mean, I didn't hit her dead shoulder. I mean, I broke her top of her scapula, but I didn't, like, smoke her. Um, you know, I didn't smoke her in the dead shoulder shot. But when I turned the camera, I saw her run off into the cover, and I was like, okay, I think she tipped over right there. Like, But I couldn't I couldn't confirm. I just kind of heard something. I didn't see her run through. So I, like, rewatched the video, and sure enough, I could see. I see her when she turned and run. I could see like blood coming out of the entrance, like a little bit. And I could see like where the arrow came out by her, you know, lower side. I'm like, oh yeah, that deer's cooked. Like, and you could tell how she was running. She was already giving up. And I was like, yep. So that was nice having that confirmation with having that in video. But mm-hmm. it was good to get the year started. So yeah, absolutely. RX7 got one nerd belt already. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> but I use the um, so do you guys use you guys are all using fixed blades too, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think I use the Helix. I'm using the Helix FJ2. Gotcha. Um, I think Mason's, Mason's going with the same one this year. The two. Yep. Yeah. The because the, the four has like bleeders on it or something. Four has right? bleeders. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I just use these mechanicals because I bought some of those uh those uh dead meats for turkey oh. season because someone told me like hey those work your mechanical works good for turkeys because just a little bigger cutting radius you know. So I just went to the local shop and bought some. And I was like, the night before, I'm like going through, checking my broadheads, everything's sharp. I've been shooting my arrow with my fixed blades. And it's been flying really good. And I was like, I really wonder what one of these would do to a deer. Like, I've heard good things about them. I'm going to just try it, you know. And, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with it. You know, mm-hmm. quartering two shot, zipped right through. And, yeah, it did its job. But that's the thing with mechanicals. Like, when they work, they when they work, they're amazing. When something great. weird happens, it's, yeah. Okay. 
So I don't think I'll probably, I mean, I might have one in the quiver if maybe for another doe shot or because like does are smaller too. So like, you're not trying to shoot this big four and a half, five and a half year old buck. That's, you know, just bigger with a, you know, a doe, this doe was two year old doe, maybe. Especially so, in early season though. I, I mean, dude, good usually <laughs> no fat. I mean like yeah. minimal fat fur was like, hide was super thin like yeah pretty pretty easy shot <laughs> so i'll take it and i think with uh, you know with, with any broadhead i think placement's still key i mean regardless of what you're using or you know i think the explains definitely do help with that you know those marginal shots but if you can place it right then you shouldn't have any worry well and <laughs> right? if your arrow's following the broadhead correctly right like mason just talked about how you refresh arrows and the first thing you do is check to see how they're flying like mm-hmm. that's a concept we didn't know when we were younger like that Absolutely that's like not. you had no idea like we just threw them on there and you put broad you, i remember i used to shoot muzzies with my mm-hmm. uh i had one of my dad's old bows when i was like a teenager and it was probably like 60 pounds and i went to from aluminum these big huge aluminum arrows to these small carbon arrows i got in like oh man sportsman's guide i think i ordered them through sportsman's guide and they came in and i was like oh these things are so fast this is awesome threw muzzy on and i had to like move my sight like six inches because they were playing <laughs> so bad you know and then i wonder why i got no penetration when i hit a deer with it you know <laughs> so i think arrow flight is the most important thing just to get yeah. that arrow following that broadhead right so you drive through it so just a lot of not knowing when you're young too I mean, oh yeah you're uh, whipping arrows i think the first deer i killed i uh we had a mason jar full of old broadheads and i was like 11 at the time and i went out back and tried to doe with my old jennings bow and uh, I grabbed a, just an old Grim Reaper out of this mason jar, threw it on my arrow, went out back, and killed something with it. So it's like, yeah, we just and there's something to be said about the simplicity. There was no tuning. There was no, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm paper tuned or you know anything like that. It's kind of. No, I can tell you, I shot the old Grim Reapers out of an old Browning bow, and I mean, this thing would kick right, kick left. But guess <laughs> what? It would hit where I was aiming, so it was yeah. good to go, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as the arrows like go in there, it's like tail. The the fletchies are trying to pass it as it's going up. (laughs) There's something to be said about that, though. You know, too, like when you first go hunting, you don't really like when you're a kid, like, yeah, my dad and uncles, they started shooting bows in the 80s, you know. But like as technology was getting more and more, they didn't, there wasn't like social media or Facebook. You couldn't like, you just saw stuff at the sports shop, you know? So you didn't really have like to update yourself. It took a lot longer. Now you can just go on YouTube and some guy has got a great breakdown of something. So like we can right. get access to change much quicker. But like my dad, when I first bought those carbon arrows, he was like, what the frick are them things? You know, cause he's either shooting the big aluminums or this wood arrows out of his recurve. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what's that thing? And I was like, man, watch this. And I was just shooting, you know, at the time I was shooting probably 40 yards and it felt like I was shooting a hundred because you used to not even be able to shoot that far because your arrow would just plunk in the dirt before it would get to the target. You know, the Kentucky windage, I would just aim real high on my 20 yard pin. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, I remember saying, I don't even have to aim off the target. Like I could aim to the top of the target at 40 yards. My 20 yard pin I would hit money at 40, which that was like, I was in like, Oh, this is amazing. And he's just like, and you know, they throw a broadhead on there and I was just perplexed. Cause like we never had that problem when bows were shooting slow and heavy arrow it didn't matter if you threw a broadhead on there things still hit where you wanted it so mm-hmm. yeah just to come from that point to now it's pretty remarkable yeah but when like, so well, your like first doe you're kind of talking about that when how, you were 11 and you just went out back and zapped a doe or what 
Yeah, we had uh, so our property kind of butted up to a park, so they were used to park traffic, human traffic, I should say. Beer park uh, fun land. Yeah. Um, so we had this huge, is like a triple trunk oak tree. You could seriously hide your body in this thing. I remember took this, uh, I don't know what kind of camera my mom had. Now, you know, I was in, I had the hunting itch. And that was like when I first got it. And uh, I took that thing out there and just like put a stick in the ground and like kind of wedged up the camera and <laughs> just clicked record on it. I didn't get a, a lick of footage on the steer or whatever, but they, they came down the trail. They always came. I mean, there was just this beat down highway in this bottom behind my house. And, um, every night seemed like a string of like five of them would come out, you know, come out of the park, come through our property and then cross the road into the orchard. And yeah, sure enough, first one came out, it was like probably like 12 yards. And I don't know how I was able to get drawn on it, but I was, but, and uh, I freaked out. I was like, I had no idea where it went. My dad's like, cause I didn't get a full pass through. I actually like, I think I was, it was sticking out one side of the deer. So I had, maybe blood on one side and it wasn't much wasn't much of anything i'm sure that grim reaper had probably gone through a target a couple of times uh, <laughs> but it was hard but, uh, because it was all beat up <laughs> yeah i get up to the house my dad's like where to go and i said i have no idea i didn't even watch it i shot it and just freaked out so but we ended up finding it i think it only ran like 40 yards so nice. it was uh so it got me hooked that was uh that was the one right was that there. the first deer you shot at that was the first deer with anything yeah i shot a you never shot another deer before you. That was your first. Oh, that was it. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. So when did you shoot your first deer, Mason, with a bow? Uh, I think I was 12. Shot an early doe season out of this tree stand my grandpa had on his 40 acres that had been there for 20 years before me. <laughs> so everything in the county knew it was there. And it was only my grandpa was scared of height. So it was no, no joke. Like 10 foot off the ground. He used to like stick branches in the tree to like try to hide himself. But like deer would come in. <laughs> This is back in the Baton area, and they already had you pinned before they even got close. Oh, I mean, yeah. they were they were looking up, you know, they weren't looking down. And we had uh, just built a new rifle blind that day, and it was early doe season. This I just decided to go out, and here this is the best story ever because I only took one arrow with me. Why I only took one arrow with me, I can't explain it to anybody because I figured I wasn't going to see anything because we'd just been in the woods with a tractor banging on stuff all day, and here comes this doe. She saw me right away, tried to skirt around me, so I had a quick spun around, drew, and shot, spined her. One oh arrow. Gosh. <laughs> Didn't kill her. So she's just demobilized on the ground, and I'm like, oh, what do I do now? I didn't want to call my dad be like, hey, I only took one arrow, because I would never hear the end of it. Yeah, you'd be chastised <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. What a terrible so situation to be in. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a tough one. And you weren't going to like just sneak back to the house and get a new arrow. Everybody would see you. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so what did you do? Did you club her or something or what? Oh, yeah. I had a whole pile of kindling right next to her. By the time <laughs> yep. I <got> this. <laughs> but I mean, you're 12 years old. On your defense, I mean, 12 years old, you have this adrenaline dump. A lot's going on through your head. You don't necessarily make the most, you know, level-headed Irrash decisions very yes. irrational decisions yeah oh yeah uh, well i i mean because i couldn't bow hunt until i was 12 so like i'm older than you guys so like i didn't you season wasn't even around or early doe when i first started bow hunting so i really dude i hit like i hit a doe when i was 12 bait pile because we could bait still i i remember it was like we'd always hunt all these balsam trees up north 
And same thing, like they were like low to the ground, like 10 feet. You just use branches to climb up in the thing. And uh, I remember having the bow rope and I was like trying to pull my bow up and it got hooked and I pulled hard and I had the, the old school, just like the single fiber optic pin. And dude, I snapped that thing right in half. So like I have like the, <laughs> the, the, the U-shaped, you know, site housing with like the single pin sticking out and it's like halfway. And I remember telling myself, I was like, well, if a doe, come, if a deer comes out, like I'll just aim, you know, middle of the body with that pin and it should be on the shoulder. Cause like at 12 years old, that was just my thought. And this was the first night it happened. I was like, well, I'm hunting. I'm not like you said, like what am I going to do climb down and go find my dad? He'd be so pissed if like, here I come <laughs> walking up to him, dude, you know? So sure enough, a doe comes out. It was probably like a little doe fawn. It was by itself. It was small and it came to the bait and the bait was at like, 12 yards from my tree my uncle and dad put this bait pal real close for me and i pulled back and i put that pin right on the middle shot way over her back because i used my 20 yard <laughs> pin at like 10 yards you know so i remember i hook, took another arrow out of my quiver and this is actually you know how you guys always ask me why i always shoot the quiver this happened to my first year i shot at i'm a quiver the quickie or whatever just laying in the branches and i like struggled to like get the arrow out of the quiver and my quiver falls on the ground the deer stand out in the middle of the field and i was like i just was like flustered i put the arrow on and i waited and sure enough she gave me a broadside shot and I did the same thing and i shot and i just didn't aim back far enough so i smoked her right in the high shoulder shot so here's a 12 year old kid i missed broke my pin missed the deer and then she hit a deer and it ran ran right underneath my tree and I thought I smoked her because she did the mule kick, you know. And then we mm -hmm. tracked that deer all night and then tracked it the next morning, caught up to it and took off running. And my arrow was only like bloody for like two inches, you know. So that happened when I was 12, 13. I hit a six point dead square in the shoulder again with my bow. And then I think when I was 14, I hit one. I pulled my, I, when I was 14, I was like, all right, I got a bigger bow. So like I could shoot, like I, got, I grew quite a bit. So I was able to shoot my dad's old like golden eagle bows with no like let off or anything. So it was just like shooting a recurve with cams, you know, or wheels and limbs. And I remember this, this spike came, came into a bait pile and uh, I could not pull the bow back. I was too worked. I just couldn't do it. Like you said, every time you hunt on a bait pile, those deer knew you were in the tree. So the thing comes in walking sideways, looking at you and you're all like, <laughs> don't move don't move and don't even don't even look at it you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so i could not pull my bow back because i was so used to being able to put my bow like up like by my head and like do the whole sky draw slightly to get it back yeah. so i couldn't do it deer finally walks away because i was just like struggling hard and i did the sky draws just walking away and i was like because i used to shoot fingers with my compound like that's what i my bow before i'd shoot you know peep sight one sight and fingers that's how i grew up shooting and this bow, I got a release and I pulled back and deer's walking. The deer was so far away. And I remember being like, that's way too far. And I like dropped my bow down and doo, touched my release. And my arrow just goes, Shoo. I mean, it was like 65 yards probably. The arrow was just like arcing. And it went right down. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I missed that thing. Because like, I did not like complete accident. So when my uncle came, was like, what happened? Told me, he's like, well, we have to look to make sure um, you didn't hit the deer, you know? And I was like, well, if I hit the deer, I hit it in like the leg because it was like way low. Sure enough, by my arrow, there's like the littlest of blood on it. And we tracked that thing. And my uncle was just like, it was, they instilled in me that, you know, you never give up. Like, right. even if you make a bad shot, like he, he just used as an example to like, hey, you're irresponsible. You didn't, you know, you didn't make sure your fingers off the trigger, like all that stuff. So it was a good learning experience for me. But that deer got shot 
So the buck I hit in the shoulder got shot during gun season, and then that spike got shot during gun season. So, like, all the neighbors just knew, here's this Nate kid out there just, like, winging deer with a bow, and they're shooting with a gun. So I was, like, kind of tough on me. But uh, I hit that deer, like, the back leg, like, right where, like, the our, like, calf muscle is. You know, hit it there. So that was rough. But then when I was 16, I got a driver's license. I started hunting down here by me, and I, I shot a, a deer off the ground. And then once that happened, I was just on a tear. Like I started killing deer on my bow. So I just, I had a tough four years. So, so, so that, I went through the same thing. So I shot that doe when I was 12 following year, back still in the baiting area. I missed a 7.3 times. I missed them at 15, 20, and 25 yards. <laughs> Clean misses all three times. <laughs> yep. It's part, dude, it's part of it. Like it's a struggle. Like, my brother-in-law, you know, he hit that buck the first night, the first serious night we took, I took him out hunting. Great deer. He shoulder shot that thing, you know, absolutely devastated. And it's like, he's, he was like 20 or 19 or something like that at the time. And I was like, dude, it happens. If only you knew like what I went through bow hunting, like it's, <laughs> it's part of it. And that's what makes it bittersweet. Like when you go through that, but when it actually comes together, you're just like, oh gosh, like this is amazing. Right. And like when I growing up with my dad, my dad always told me, Hey, if you wound one, like that's it, you're done. You know what I mean? Like we're all, we're only going to take good shots. We're not going to force shots. You're going to practice all summer. You're not going to hunt. And then that following year, man, I uh, had an eight or four point at like eight yards, and I hit it in no man's land between top of rib cage and spines, and just straight through the back straps. You know, just a meat shot. And I hung my bow. I hung my bow up that year, man. I took it, and I was like, after that, I was like, I am never rushing a shot ever, ever mm-hmm. again. I think the hardest thing, like for me, like there's been times when I pull. It used to be if I pull my bow back, like I'm shooting. Like you know, like that was kind of like the thing. And now there's been I can't tell you times. Like even uh, this past weekend, early doe, I had my bow back on that deer, and she was probably like, it was probably like in the 30s. And there was like I could see her. I could have maybe like it'd been like one of those ones. Oh, you could shoot through that branch, but I was like, nope, don't need to. Not the right shot. Let down. And as the other deer came through. It was like a 37-yard shot. I had another mock scrape. I had like two mock scrapes, like one in the field edge and one in the inside corner farther. And walks by, and she's up in that, you know, up in the licking branch. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we can try that shot. Pulled back, and then she started walking. I was like, nope, not meant to be. Man, I never would have done that mm-hmm. in the past, you know, waiting for it. It would have been like, it's just like you get so tunnel vision, like I have to shoot. And, yeah, waiting for that right shot. That's a good. That's a good thing to learn at a young age. I think we've all had those situations or, you know, these stories to we've wounded the deer, missed a deer or you name it, haven't been able to find a buck we really wanted to find. It, it definitely teaches you pretty quickly how to react in the next situation. Yeah, it's a good gut check. Mm-hmm. You know, like it makes you <laughs> and, there, and, you know, you, you, you break it down. It's like it is just a deer, you know, like it, it it's a deer. Thousands of them get killed a year by cars and you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, they die miserable deaths from coyotes and things like that. But it's just, just a deer means a lot more than that to hunters. You know, if you, you know, I lose sleep over it, you know, you feel like crap, you know, all that stuff. So, but I wanted, so what, what, so we, what's our, what's our game plan again for like our Illinois lease? When are we, we booked a Airbnb. What is that time frame again? Well, it's six to the 10th. Right, we got it Friday that that first Friday before the Friday before the sixth. But I want to, we've got it for what seven days, yeah, ten days, 
10 days, I think, is what we got for. So, so like we a got Friday a to Friday. Window for anybody to, you know, come into camp. And we're calling it camp, right? This is. Yeah, it's a dude camp for sure. Mo camp. 2023. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows when we'll filter in and out. But uh-huh. I think that's. But we kind of have. So I talked to a guy that hunts probably 45 minutes from us. And he is. He's like pretty adamant that second week of November is really good down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what we've kind of been hearing and done some research, right, from some other buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I had a buddy that guided down in Illinois for a few years, um, and he always said like Michigan, Michigan rifle opener, November fifteenth is was that time frame. Illinois was always just on fire. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. We're, to we're do that. Pretty good, you know, you know, as with anything, I think it it really depends on weather. Um, but the good thing for us is we have all that public around us too. So yeah, short know, drive, like we can bad yeah. weather, whatever we, I think we can get some pretty serious, uh, you know, in season scouting done, uh, kind of work our way around or, you know, just have, we're down to have fun. Right. So, mm-hmm. yep, so you're kidding, man. wander around. Yeah. We yeah, got like, 300,000 acres of shawnee national forest that nobody's ever even stepped foot on yet we've been down there twice <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, that's a giant chunk so we're not really giving too much away but yeah hop in the truck and go drive and if we get bored we just walk around and do that yeah. not opposed to that at all yeah not I think opposed to that for it though so drew do you have an updated hit list for the first week of october <laughs> uh in michigan yep uh well so yes yes and no um i'm i'm on the bridge of this so as as i mentioned earlier this this wide eight i've had i i have a plethora of pictures of them in 2021 a few pictures of them in 2022 now he showed back up and he's been regular like he's on probably three out of the five cams i have on this property he's been showing up he showed up in daylight the last two days He's a regular. He's hitting the food plot every day. But the more I look at him, the more I almost just don't want to shoot him. You know, I, I know he's four. I know yep. he's four for fact. And it's, you know, I've never had the, I guess I haven't given myself the opportunity to, to let a deer go to five here in Michigan. And it's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if given the opportunity, it's going to be a tough decision for me. So. That's the only one I have on the, the top of the hit list. Uh, there's there's some other good mature bucks, but but nothing that's nothing that's uh, tickling the fancy as much as much so as. So you say mature? Are you saying like other four year olds, or do you have like a five year old or two, or what? No, we have. I mean, I shouldn't say mature. Three year olds. Okay. We have a lot of three year olds on the property. There's one four year old that I saw uh, a couple times in September, but he hasn't showed up since. He was a homebody quite a bit last year but as far as him showing up again this year it's that he's usually like based on past years late october he'll swing through and then like middle of november he'll swing through i've seen him in rifle season mm-hmm. so just dependent on that so because i last year had a really big three and a half year old i was afraid i'd shoot if i saw him i just didn't go hunt certain spots because okay. I was afraid of my self-control. Not really afraid. I just didn't like why I put myself in that position when I'm just going to pass them. So, like, mm-hmm. are you not going to hunt if you don't have a target buck, or are you still going to go out there and sit? Well, yeah. The thing with our property is, as I mentioned to you earlier, it's 
you can see across the entire 160 acres, you know, in one swing, any stand you sit at, you can see the whole property. Um, it's flat, it's low. Um, so I think it's going to be more, you know, if, if the cameras aren't telling me any stories and it's going to be more of observation sets sitting on a hill, we have a good hill on, on top that I can glass quite a bit from, and, you know, maybe take the spying scope out there and, and look around, or we have some good observation sets mm -hmm. that I can, you know, at least have some of an opportunity at a, at a buck that might be cruising coming out of the swamp or whatever, but, um, it's going to be sitting there developing a good game plan and then, then going in a little bit deeper as the season goes on. Yeah. So you do you think there's a potential to have a buck show up that you don't have history with? I mean, that, that, that big nine I shot last year, I didn't have many pictures of him at all. Um, but first week of October, he showed up. He started hitting the food plot, and then I I caught him after a, a good cold front and a, a heavy rain. Yeah. Second week of October, and that's when I killed him. He was going right back to food. He checked. I saw him hit like six scrapes on the way to food, and I shot him at nine yards. Yep. So there's there's that potential. We have a really good transition area where we're located. So bucks move across properties. They go from bedding to food or like that deep swamp. They cross our property to get to, to big ag across the way. So there's definitely the potential there. Uh, yeah, so you're not like writing off Michigan by any means. No, like you, you're, you, just, you just know from past. Yeah, based on summer scouting, there's definitely mature bucks in the area. I just my cameras haven't really told me much. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of cool that you were able to like see your spot from a distance, you know, like having that ability, it, it makes it hard to hunt or like maybe a little less going on, but if you can kind of hang out and make a calculated move because you can see from a distance, that gives you an edge for sure. Yeah. And then for your example, camera, like your camera doesn't take a picture of every deer. Like I've, we've proved that in Illinois. I've proved that multiple times here. It's so like, if you just kind of rely on your cameras the whole time, if you're off by 50 yards, you may never get that. You might never right. know he's there, you know. And that's why I really stressed observation sits on my property. Uh, I think it was three years ago. I, I shot a, it was 133 inch 10. Um, good buck. I mean, he was mature. Uh, but he was running a doe. It was, that was the only buck I've ever shot in November. But he was, I was just on an observation sit and he was just running a doe in the tall grass. And I, sat there again the next night in hopes to see him and came back out of the same section there's just this little pocket we call the cedar hole and he would just bay in that doe up in there and finally got the right wind two days later to make the right move and sure enough six o'clock at night he followed that that doe came right out in front of me and he followed that doe behind her right out of the cedar hole and killed him that way that's sweet. the right wind to get in there but so he was he with that doe you feel like for like four days what's that he was with that doe for like four days you think yeah he's i mean that that spot's common for for a buck holding the doe up in there it's they're pretty untouched no one can really get in there to hunt it and they have easy access to food on both sides so nice they've been there for quite a while and yeah sure enough i was able to watch him for a couple of days and i was like this is my move <laughs> finally finally mm -hmm. made, made my way in there a little bit tighter and got him killed so that makes it makes it worth doing that <laughs> when well, it works. <laughs> sits when you're just looking out into nothingness, you know, just yep. and just see so tines. You kind of have you kind of have you're kind of the odd man out here for October hunt, aren't you? Yep i uh, I probably won't hunt much in Michigan. Like if I can make it up to my uncle's property and um, right up there on the border of um, Claire and Ross Common County, 
I might just go up there to sit just to hunt for a week. But other than that, I'm waiting for Illinois. I mean, my job makes it very hard for me to sneak away on the weekends or you know what I mean? So I got approval yeah. for at least seven days. So I'm <laughs> We're gonna all be my, fired up. All, all my ducks are yeah, all my ducks are in one basket. So yeah. But hey, that's gonna be a fun seven days though. Oh, I you can't know. wait. Even if I don't get anything, it's it's deer camp. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love it. It's gonna be so. I have, awesome. a, I have, a, I have a, a high suspicion that somebody's gonna kill something. I mean, somebody's gonna just, kill something. Like there's too much opportunity in that area yeah. for us to not capitalize on. I've hunted a lot of other spots out of state, and like it always feels good. And I haven't even seen any like rut sign there yet because you know. I'm usually hunting in November. And so like by the time you get to this property, you know, you've seen all the October signs been laid, you know, you got the scrapes and the, you know, the big rubs showing up. I haven't even seen that in that property yet. And I'm already jacked. Like, you know, as soon as I walk into that place, see some of those cedars retore up and, you know, we start getting all these bucks. I going to, it's going to be really hard to control the excitement. And yeah, I think if we, like we talked about, you can kind of tell we have a good game plan. We're all in the same mindset of how to hunt. You know, I think if we stick to our plan and we all kind of like, you know, pay attention to the wind and do those things, we're gonna have real, we're gonna have really good opportunities. Mm-hmm. I feel like so. Yeah, one of us is gonna have to slay. That's for sure. Somebody does. I mean, we're not gonna. Dude, can you imagine if it's it. one of our dads? Oh, I would lose my mind. My dad is so fired up about this. I keep sending over all the pictures from the group text. Yeah, and like we've got we've got our couple cameras running. He's like, oh, he goes, I can't wait. He hasn't been in the woods in a long time, so um, life got yeah, dude, busy for him, up. and now he, oh, he's pumped. Yeah, all new gear. I mean, this guy's gone off the deep end with it, but I mean, he's, he's he's ready. He's <laughs> got yeah. he's gotten into the saddle game. Yeah, he's saddle hunting too. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, good. yeah, my dad. So. You know, my dad just like. He's like, I can't wait to lay eyes on this place because all he's heard is me telling him how cool I think it is and <laughs> all this stuff. And he's, you know, he's been in some similar areas and he's like, you're just, he's like, you stop messing with me. And I'm like, well, here's a trail cam pick for you. He's like, he, he, he said something. He's like, that deer's got zero chance of making it by me without <laughs> yeah. getting some air out of that deer's lungs. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's pumped. <laughs> well, speaking, so, of, speaking of saddle gear, are, are your guys' setups pretty, pretty dialed? You guys, you think you guys are pretty prepared for the season, or? Yeah, yeah you can go keep, first, Mason. I'm just gonna keep losing stuff out of my backpack because I don't know. I started saddle hunting and I bought a big backpack, and now the next thing I know, I'm carrying all this stuff to the woods for no reason. So, I'm gonna just keep removing stuff from my backpack. You, know, I really just need like, bare minimum. Oh, bare minimum retractable bow hoist, a backpack. You know what I mean? Because I'm one of the people who just sweat like crazy when I walk in. So, like, <laughs> I go in with practically nothing on, and then I get dressed at the tree. Like, I even pack my saddle in a backpack because it's, like, it's not worth to me because then I get just frozen out right at dark because, you know, you're damp, the wind's kind of blowing. Mm-hmm. And then hunt, hunting in saddles without bibs, you know what I mean? You get that draft up your back, and then you're just – you're sitting there shivering, and it's 45 degrees. You yeah. know what I <laughs> He ain't lying to you either. I've walked in pretty deep into some spots with Mason with all the saddle gear, and he sounds like a buck just got done chasing a doe behind him. <laughs> Your tongue's hanging out? What is that? Oh, it's just Mason huffing and puffing. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I think 
the one thing I kind of wanted to do last year, I was like, I'm going to try one of those bigger, you know, saddle platforms is what I kind of wanted to do. But then I kind of went back and forth on it. And I was like, I ended up buying a tree stand, a light tree stand instead, because I have my backpack so dialed with that regular predator platform and those four sticks that like trying to add another thing to it. My system's so dialed because I've been just doing it for so long. So I kind of just, you know, I didn't do that, but yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. I mean, I did get, uh, I got shorter sticks, same style B stick, but I got the mini version instead of like the full length mm-hmm. version. So I really like those, um, to probably fit my pack a little better, but yeah, I think, uh, I think the hardest thing is going to be do so like, this is going to depend on the weather, right? Like if we're going to be hunting, it's going to be like Mason said, if it's, you know, 40 degrees in the morning and you sweat your, your nuts off walking in. And then we sit on one of these draws or like one of these hillsides and there's like a 10 mile an hour North wind, we are going to be just getting smoked, you know, even if it's 50 degrees, you're going to freeze because mm-hmm. just the way that is. So I think my, my biggest thing is just going to be making sure. Cause every time I do like, try to stuff a you know sweatshirt in the pack or you know you buried in there by the time in the tree i'm like i'm not getting that out because i'm gonna move too much you know so i maybe i'll try to figure a way to bungee to the outside maybe in my pack or something but other than that i'm pretty i feel pretty good about that whole my whole system down with that now mason are you 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 got the larger you have the larger trophy land platform right yeah i run the mission so it's, yeah. it's a little bit bigger it's a little you, you lose, you lose, you sacrifice some weight. It's a little heavier, but I like a little bit more room to move. I'm not quite as tall as Nate, but I don't know how you stand on that little thing for hours on that. <laughs> yeah, the the ability to move would definitely be huge. I know, I know. There's times I'd like a little more space on mine, but yeah, I'm a leaner, so you know, like for me, like I don't like occasionally I'll like straddle the tree if I'm sitting all day or, you know, I'll, I'll use my backpack, like my, my hip belt. I like try to put that pack right where my knees go. So I use like that padding of that hip and I'll put my knees against the tree, but 90% of the time I'm just lean back. So like, I don't really, I mean, I can put my foot on top of the peg or like move over to my, my tree step if I need to throughout the day. But yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm, I ain't spinning around on that platform with a size 13 move. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I'm committed to it, but it's so light and so easy to set. I just, that's all I've used, you know? So it's like hard, it's hard to convince myself to try something different. Right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Yep. I think but, that's something I've learned over the past couple, past couple of years doing it too, is just the weight reduction. Like you're mm-hmm. talking about taking stuff out. I mean, the lighter I've gotten, the the more efficient I am to get in and out of the tree and, and you know, be able to move around and, there's just not as much clutter in front of me and I, you know, I'm able to move in the tree too. Yeah. I th- And, oh, do you guys run the, the big saddle bags on your saddles? I do. I, the high sacks. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking about trying to put those on my backpack. That was the one thing I wanted to do. I got to look into that this weekend because mm-hmm. I kind of don't like having those things on me because I always wear my saddle walking in and I'm sitting there and I got these big things hanging on me. It feels like, I just feel like I'm already a big dude. So I think that's part of it but I was actually going to see about putting those on my hip belt or somehow on my backpack. Cause I wear my backpack when I set up and climb the tree. So like, dude, I can just have my ropes and everything right in there. So right. that may be one thing I'm going to try to tweak a little bit. And then um, I haven't really, the one thing I've tried a couple different things. I use that one strap from tether that you can just like loop around the tree and cinch it down and then you can uh, hang the stuff strap. on it. Yeah. The yeah. strap. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I've tried like the hero clips type thing and then, I did like last, I think it has been like last year. I used like one of those gear tie 
S's, those really heavy duty S that actually worked pretty well. Um, but then, but now my new bow has the quivers attached to my bow, but I got like a little hook on the top of the quiver, you know? So I'm like, Ooh, maybe I got to kind of like use something a little smaller. I can just hook that on. Cause that's the one downside to like keep my quiver on my bow. My quiver is always up against the tree, you know, my fletchings and stuff. So it kind of tweaks the bow a little bit. I can't like hook it to my cam or my limb and my bow because my quiver is right in the way. So I might tweak that a little bit too. I'll probably this weekend, it's supposed to be nice. I'll probably just get up in the tree and, I got a freaking pile of stuff I've used over the years and just see what kind of works and then kind of focus on that and use it. Dude, I tell you what, I got that, uh, that like collapsible little bow hanger that uses the hiss system from tethered. Mm. I got the bow hanger. That thing yeah. Is, that's, I've looked, yeah. I can pull it out of my pack or I could, I could put it in my, my saddlebags and I could just easily hook it into one of those loops and then my bow's hung. Does it work pretty well? Like you, oh yeah, it's a super efficient system, and they even you can even get a stealth strip on it, so you can quiet it up quite a bit. Nice. Do you yeah, do you, I, you hook it to your quiver, or do you hook it just through your cam, or what? I just put it on my limb, my top limb, and my bow. Top limb. Yeah. So I should be able to put that through. I should probably look at that a little more because I think I'd have the way because I, I always have, like put my arrows a certain way. Probably fit it through your cam and hang it from your cam. Yeah, I'll have to do that because like my last time I would have like my my arrow is a specific way in my quiver. So I had room to like hang it on that spot. So I'm, there's like some little, but you know, like realistically I can figure some of that stuff out in October before I go down there, you know, while I'm right. going around here. Cause I mean, if, if you're only sitting for a, you know, an hour or two at night, worst case, you just hold the bow the whole time. You know, if something doesn't work, you don't like it. Cause I mean, a lot of times I'll just, when it's close to go time, that bow just whoop, comes right off and I just sit in my saddle, lean back with a bow in my hand. So it's, I can kind of play with some of that stuff. All right. But, so, yeah, Mason, what do you, um, did you go with a different release? Or are you still rocking the wrist strap? Uh, I think I'm going to go to a different release. Because like, you're I, talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still going to go with the wrist strap. I just can't get behind the thumb thing. I don't want to, I don't want to even mess with it. My luck, I'd drop it and that thing would be gone forever. So. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to eliminate that possibility. I mean, I'm going to stay with the hook instead of like the claw style. So yep. I bought a stain one. Um, and I just think the trigger's too small. Like it drives me nuts. So I know uh, Spot Hog makes a, a hook release that's got an extra large tr- trigger on it. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of being on a strap, it's like on a, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's more on like a metal rod. Mm-hmm. breaks in half that you can tuck it still underneath your so you're not banging it on your sticks climbing the tree whatever yeah yeah and they make it in a boa wrist strap so i i think i'm gonna invest in that just because it's a little bit bigger of a trigger it's a little more rigid i think i'm getting a little bit of string twist with the one i have now because it, it is just on a string so it just free dangles until it's pulled taunt but yep. that trigger is so small that like i feel like it's I don't know. I could just be making stuff up here, but I'm I feel just, like you can't get your finger buried around it. Probably is cor- what you're feeling. Cor- correct. It wants to slide off. And it's, yes. Yeah, I ha- haven't quite got used to it. I mean, I shot well with it tonight, but it was also because I was like taking my time. You know what I mean? I had all the time in the world to sit there and just squeeze mm-hmm. it like a like a rifle trigger. You know what I mean? Instead of like being in the heat of the moment, deer's walking away. It's quartered away. You got to draw. <laughs> Let yeah. her eat, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, muscle takes over. There's a lot of comfortability involved. I mean, we talk about confidence and stuff. It's, 
mean, I don't think I don't think target archery shooters are going out there and they're questioning their release or you know any 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 component of their bow. So it's like if you can just like pull back and shoot with your eyes closed, that's that probably makes your bow hunting game that much more efficient. Yeah, I think I when I switched to a thumb release, I've shot. I got it in the winter time, so I shot my basement just nonstop because it was so different. I was like, I'm just gonna like train myself to set it, do it, you know, feel it, you know, shoot it. And I couldn't imagine trying to do that like right now, or even like a month before season or two, because like I feel like I had to shoot that thing just gobs of times to like get over that hump. Kind of like now it's second nature, you know. It's been three years, so I mean, I've shot that thing thousands of times. But yeah, that wrist. But there is like something to be said about that wrist straps on your wrist. You know, like there have been times I'm like, man, if I drop this thing, I'm hosed. So guess what? I have in my backpack wrist strap release. <laughs> <laughs> Same here, actually. Yeah. Yep. Thanks <laughs> so a lot. We're trying to save weight, and here we are carrying extra releases because we don't trust ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, is there any other uh, any other hot topics you guys want to talk about? This is kind of just a BS session of us just kind of chit-chatting on a Wednesday night about deer hunting. I, so. I, got, I got one. So, um, a couple of years, Drew and I have been on a hunting trip together. We always stop and buy random stuff, right? It's a hunting trip. You got to make a stop. You got to buy something. So, is there yeah, any piece of some outdoor store on the way and pick up pick up something? Oh, so like hunting related. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, like, is there any piece of gear that you're like on the fence that you haven't purchased but you want it, but it's like I'm going. You know what I mean? I yeah. Like I got this, is, this put me over the edge. Oh, I gotta think about that. Drew, you yeah. go first. Oh, well, I'll be honest. I did some online shopping this week, and I. I was <laughs> I was just telling you guys it's like, man, I really need another aider. I really need some stealth strips. I really need all this and that. Got some other tethered tethered accessories, and so I've ordered some stuff. But that's not to say that we're not going to stop somewhere and be like, I need that. And for me, it's it's I feel like it's always cameras. Like I just love having cameras like stocked up anywhere I want to put one. Like if we go on public. I'm just going to be itching to put a camera out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be it for me. If we stop somewhere, I'm going to probably pick up another cell camera too. If we stop at a Shields, I'm buying those carbon sticks, those speed series sticks from Latitude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I've been eyeing them things. Like, I think that'd be my moment of weakness if I went to one of those and saw that. I know you, like, pull, you put my pack on when you're in Illinois and you're like, Dude, yeah. Awesome. I would, hey, I would Grand Valley Sports has them. Oh, don't tell me that. I was just in there last weekend, and I was like, oh, I know what those are. Make sure it's not on the way to Illinois. Yeah, that's out of my way. I mean, I have to drive. I never drive by there, so, you know, we're safe. That would be that, and then, yeah, the camera game, like, I have, I actually have one of my cell cameras I haven't put out yet, and if I do put it out, I'm going to put it somewhere where I can snag that thing and stick it down there somewhere, Uh probably, if need be. But, yeah, the sticks or something, I just got a shipment in. I bought a... um. I've been eyeballing that um, first light origin hoodie for like since it came out. Like, I don't know how long, two years ago it came out, maybe. And I've been eyeballing that thing hard. Like, but you can ask Ashley. She's like, you never shut up about that stupid sweatshirt. So I finally, they, recommend. <laughs> yeah, they got me because they oh, sent a pamphlet in the mail yeah. and it was like, <laughs> spend 200 bucks, get 50 bucks off. I'm like, freaking oh, bargain, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Thank I got that. Much. I did get that sweatshirt. So like it's like a quarter zip, you know. I don't. It's not like a hoodie. It's it's more of a jacket, I think, than a sweatshirt. But it's like 
that perfect thing for me because like i i work outside all the time so like i don't get cold very easy so i have the same problem mason does if i wear too much i get just sweaty and then i'm screwed so like for me i usually go real light and i can you know power through usually but that thing's i put it on and it's a it's what i wanted like it's that exactly a little that, piece like of, 40 to 50 or 40 50 degree range that thing's perfect for that yeah, because like 90, not 90, let's 75% of the year, I just wear a regular camel hoodie. Like I've been rocking like an Under Armour hoodie for seven or eight <laughs> years, you know, like just different versions of that because like, man, they're 40 bucks. Like I'm just going to rock one. But, you know, when you when you try to stuff in your backpack, the thing takes up like half your backpack because there's no packability to it, you know, and it's kind of bulky and the hoods always kind of suck. So this thing's pretty sweet. I put it on and I was like, you know, I might have been walking around the house with it for a little bit to see how I liked it. But yeah, I think it's going to work great. So that was one thing I got, but they freaking get you because you get to spend 200 bucks, which is absurd money for like camo, you know, like, <laughs> so like, there you are, the hoodie, the, this origin hoodie is not even $200. So it's like, now I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to buy to like, get me over that mark. And, uh, I end up getting one of their muffs. Cause I love wearing a hand muff. Like I don't like wearing gloves when I hunt. So like mm-hmm. I bought, I did get a first light muff too. So, I mean, I, so I feel pretty good about that, but. If we go to a store, I'll probably buy a knife. Like I'm a sucker for <laughs> knives, you know. Like come yeah. out of there with that, you know. Maybe, maybe those sticks. If I see something like that, or even if it's like a, I think a nice puffy, like a can't, like some sort of like hunting puffy. I, that's another thing I've been kind of eyeballing. Yeah, yeah. I've been wearing one at work. I went to. You guys ever been to Sierra Trading Post? Oh yeah. So like we went there like on a we had like this ice storm day. And we went, me and a coworker went in there and we we're like at lunchtime and we're like, dude, we're frigging freezing. This is miserable. And we went to this place and I was like, oh dude, there's like a bunch of puffy jackets. And we bought like this, the cheapest ones we could find like 40, $30 ones. And man, we, I wore that thing all winter framing and working outside and I loved it. So like if I could find maybe a nice puffy, I could probably, I could probably have a moment of weakness and buy one of those too. I feel like you can never have enough gear as far as like clothing goes for hunting. It's like there's 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 an outfit for every situation, or there's there's a, a piece of clothing for every situation. What are you buying, Mason? Oh, I look I look way too often at everything. I'm being totally honest with you. So I'm always looking at new camo because like I got bit by the the kuyu bug last year when I went out west and re-outfitted all my camo. So anytime I get an email that says something's on sale, I'm in there just searching for what's on sale, even though nothing is ever on sale. So but if I was to buy something to go on this trip, I forget who makes it, but somebody's making like a, uh, it's like a spreader bar that goes between your bridge and your saddle that's supposed to keep the the pinch off your hips. Mm -hmm. So that sucker's definitely going to get purchased at some point. I just have to convince myself to buy it. Genesis uh, 3D makes that thing. And he yeah. lives not far from me. I was actually been kind of talking to him, possibly do a podcast with him about that. He's got a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. That dude, I never thought about that. I bet that thing is probably money. For yeah, because I said that's like one of my big things. It's I mean, it'd be no different than sitting in a tree stand for a bunch of hours. Your butt hurts. Like the big thing that hurts me after five hours in the saddle is my hips. Mm-hmm. So like if I could just keep the weight off my or not all of it, but just help minimize it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it would just make it so much more comfortable. Dude, that's like when I invested in that, uh, the for my tethered saddle, it's that back strap. Oh, the recliner? Just, yeah, the recliner just give me a little more support back there. 
That thing is a game changer. Yep, that, I need to buy that thing too. I've been well, on the fence about that thing since it came well, out. Just, want this to be able to like let you recline without having to support yourself. It's that's been dude. Good. I might have one of those, another one of those, Mason. Well, if you I do, bought let a couple me know. used. Yeah, I bought a couple. You every saddle I've bought has been used. So like, I got one that came with one, and I kept mine from my other saddle. I think I have two of them things, and yeah, they're nice. Like I don't use them. I only use it if I sit for a long time in the saddle. And like you said, you can like loosen up all your hip straps and slide your saddle way down and then you can put that recliner right where you need to and it's like oh gosh yes all the and and you don't even like really realize it until you do it yeah it folds up nice I, that's another thing i keep in my saddle pouch so i can just you know i keep it there and i can sit most i can sit most sits without even needing it but those mm-hmm. times you need it and if you're sitting all day or whatever and you can just easily pull it out and clip it in. It's, it's pretty nice. Yeah, I don't care what you do if you're sitting all day, like ladder stand, ground blind, hang on, stand saddle. You're going to be uncomfortable at some mm-hmm. point. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, a, that's the whole point, right? That's the part of the all day sit. It's not like you're walking around, you're, you're stationary. Yes. And you just pray he walks by at one o'clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> According to, my picture, according to my picture today, eleven fifty-five a.m. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to share that sucker because I have. Oh, yeah. I'll send. He showed it to me through it. the camera on this, and it was like you could see it. It's a decent buck. He's. I think we've got a picture of him before, and he's actually a little I bigger than I think we thought. And we always thought he was pretty spindly, but he's he's got he's good got mass some good mass. Him. Yeah, that's a good buck. Good buck. Sweet. But no, I think. Uh, I haven't had too many things anything crazy. I mean, I was telling Drew earlier, but I have that one buck I've called Mr. Krabs. I've seen that deer yep. twice, two years in a row, actually. And then I passed him last year as a three and a half year old. I grunted him in. And I've seen him on morning sits like October like 23rd and like 24th. I've seen him like two years in a row. And he mm-hmm. kind of hangs out in this little area. I think I just got a picture of him yesterday. Um, and he blew up like he went from like a 120 ish three year old to probably knocking, he's in the 140s, I bet. Like mm-hmm. he got a lot bigger, so like to me, that's a, a 20 inch jump is a big jump. So I'm pretty pumped about him. And he's coming, he's doing the same thing he was, he's always done. So I might actually have him in the chips like opening week is what I'm going to kind of hope for because he came out. I seen him on an observation sit last year and he came out like two hours before dark and he walked by this camera that I moved to the spot and he walked out two hours before dark yesterday. So if he stays in that trajectory, I might, I might have to put an arrow on him. So sweet. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, as far as this fall goes, getting this whole saddle set up, you know, finally, I mean, we've, I've been at for like three years, four years now, maybe that had a saddle. I can't remember. I know we both fall at the same time, Mason, but, it was um, right before Illinois, so yeah, three years, or not Illinois, but Indiana, three years ago. Yeah. So we finally, you know, finally getting this thing dialed. I just want to be able to use it more. We got all these presets on our, our home property here, but, you know, there's a lot of lot of good state land around us. So I think, I think I'm going to make, make that jump this year. I have a few extra cameras laying around, see if I can get in there yet before the season starts here in September and pop some cameras in and hopefully do some roaming on some state land around me. Find the hidden scrapes. Yep. That's my word of advice. I've got two cameras out right now, and I found a second property that I found a hidden scrape, and I'm dying to see what's on it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, hidden scrape to me is... Swing, 
down in Illinois. I mean, they're they're starting to transition to those scrapes a lot mm-hmm. more. You know, so like for me, the hidden scrape is like just licking branches, and you can barely tell it's one. Like that's I found a couple of those, and that has been pretty good for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I found one that there was like ten licking branches in like this twenty yard area, and I could tell it was. You can tell like it's in a bottom, like with uh, water running kind of in it. Like just depends if it rains a lot, and it's mucky kind of. So I think that's why there's it's not pronounced on the ground, but I'm it looks way too good. And I've had another property did the same thing last year, left the camera on all year and so many bucks. Like when you gotta think it's not a it's not what a lot of people look for. A lot of people look for that scrape on the ground, they look for the the clean dirt or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, they're gone, but just it stands out like a sore thumb once you finally realize what it is. You see those clean those clean branches just hanging in a tree that's full of foliage and Mm -hmm. no how many times that. have you had a trail cam pick of a big buck working the scrape on the ground? It's uh, it's about 50-50 for me. 50-50? But, yeah. yeah. For me, it's been like overwhelmingly they only hit the licking branch. Uh-huh. I've got one buck that was like pretty key. He liked to do it, but usually it's they just hit the licking branches. Like if they hit the scrape four times, they'll only paw the dirt maybe one of the four times. I will say it depends where it's at. If it's a, you know, a lot of, a lot of the the bucks that have used the, the, the scrape on the ground has been like large community scrapes. Okay. Where like, I found these scrapes before I, you know, I didn't put these scrapes there. I've, I've found these scrapes on the property and you can smell them from mm-hmm. 20 yards away. It's like something's in this area and you finally come up on it. And it's just this huge community scrape. And, you know, that's when I do think they really do dig into the dirt. But other than that, if you, I mean, you know, I've, we've both had huge success with just hanging the, the licking vine too, or, Mm-hmm. you know hang, like, in branches and not doing anything yeah so I, I dude i hope you find something and just get like a giant on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like too. a whole nother that's like a whole nother game like that's a win yeah. for me right there just getting a nice buck on camera i mean mm-hmm. if you do the recon and be able to have success that way and you know I, you know half the time you don't even need to kill them It'd be, it's fun it's fun yeah. to hunt hunt them but you know that keeps the, the fact that your mind's actually working right it's, yep that's keeps the game going in your head absolutely but yeah i just have two regular regular cam you know cameras not cell cameras in those spots and i'm just like looking at the calendar i'm like oh it's only been like four days (laughs) (laughs) you just kind of get it to go look at the thing you know (laughs) i'm like when's the next heavy rain when's the next heavy rain i'm gonna sneak in there and check them out but yeah yeah, just being patient on them but so you think you're gonna hunt state land this year so. is there a good chance yeah i think uh you know if i don't have based on the intel i have if i don't have you know besides my observation system if i don't have good plays at any of the deer you know if i do get more more mature deer on camera if i don't have good plays on them it just makes more sense for me to to try something new you know better myself as a woodsman mm-hmm. that's a that's a good goal to always have yeah so it's a I challenging got... thing I got something brewing down here. So like I said, I'm in uh, Hamilton County, Indiana for the next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm in big, big ag country down here. Drew saw it when he picked me up the other weekend. But I got, a, I got a couple calls into a couple places, and you could say I'm in step two of the interview process. <laughs> oh, I'm fist pumping. I'm fist pumping. Let's go. So we'll see. We'll see if anything transpires. But like I said, it's a, one of the only big blocks of wood. It's got a. 
I don't even know if you consider it a creek. It's more of a drainage ditch, but it's labeled as a creek. I drove past it the other day. And I was like, that's not a creek. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there tires in it? It's not a creek, right? <laughs> or no, however it's, that goes. It's, it's, it's not dirty. It's just like, I, it's like as wide as my foot. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just from all the tile from all the the surrounding fields. And it's, you know, in a low spot. So everything just runs down there and it's created almost like a, you can call it a county ditch because I mean, they got bridges built over it, but like it's no more than three foot wide. Nice. And it's so brown. the podcast, I did a podcast earlier this week, uh, Brian Travis, it'll, it'll launch before this one. He hunts Indiana and he says that they've been there for a long, his like family property or something. So they always go down there and hunt and they have bucks during the rut that come from just out of nowhere and run through a property. He's like, we don't bet, we don't hold the deer. They just go through and he said they just come from all over the place. In the well, past they just, cover. It's miles and miles of fence rows down here. Like there's yep. not big, big stands of woods. There might be a pocket here, a pocket there. But like, and I'm on like the north side of Indianapolis. So like I'm just coming into the city. So I drive 20 minutes north and I'm back in big farm country. So mm-hmm. I'm in a pretty cool spot. We'll see if I can. I've got to the point where I've knocked on doors. Nobody's been home. I've resorted to the point now where I've drafted a letter and I'm putting it in people's mailboxes. You know, I'm a little late to the game because it's yeah. almost October, but I didn't get down here until a couple of weeks ago, so I didn't get a jump on it. Yeah, hey, so, I actually have had good luck getting property this time of year. Like, I sometimes will wait until close to the fall just because it's like when you – okay, if someone knocks on my door in February and is like, hey, can I bow hunt or hunt your place six months from now or whatever it is, it's like, dude, no, like, no, I don't like, it's a long time. But if someone was like, Hey, can I hunt your property? Like in two weeks, they're kind of like more like yes or no. Like you get like instantly and you're like, Oh yeah, that'll be no big deal. It's already this time of year. So like, it kind of depends on what I kind of go by the feelers. Like when you come in, I'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you can do that. And you know, yeah. like in that conversation, you're like, Hey, okay. If that's cool. Like you get everything, all the boxes are checked instantly for you. Dude, especially, I know you're, I know you're a bit of a goose hunter too, Nate, but, but using your other tools to your advantage. And, you know, I've had a lot of good success asking for goose hunting permission and then allowing that to transition into mm-hmm. deer hunting. Permission. You know, you get on a, a good piece of property and then just, you know, you just kind of give hints here and there. It's like, Hey, I also deer hunt. Hey, I see you got a lot of deer around here. Hey, yep. do you mind if I kill some deer on your property, you know? Oh, I have a funny story on some permission I just got, or I got this summer. This is just funny. So I bought a truck, you know, and I hated the wheels set up or the rims and tires and wheels. It just looked like an old man truck, and I didn't like it. So I've been, like, searching Marketplace, trying to find, like, another set of used wheels and tires because, good grief, them things are expensive now. Like, brand-new tires are outrageous. So I was like, oh, man, let's kill two birds one stone, get a set that's already got good tires on it and wheels that I like. So I found a guy and he doesn't live far away from me at all and uh, talking with him and just went over there, met him a couple of times and like swapped my tires out with him there and just being, you know, good, just chit chatting and talking. And uh, he, I just, you know, the typical, like every chance I get, I'm like, Oh, you know, how much land you have here? You know, he has like four acres and, you know, I just knew the area and I was like, I bet you get a lot of deer that come up and, you know, eat your flowers. Like just said it like that. He's like, Oh my gosh. He's like, dude, there's so many deer always up in my yard. And like, he's got this beautiful like landscaping, you know, super nice. And then he said that. So then I was like, well, so, you know, we're talking about times and how much, how expensive everything is in the store. And he started complaining about how expensive meat was. 
And I was like, well, my dad has a hobby farm and we have beef and pork and all that stuff and chickens and all that. So I kind of just said, you know, I told kind of put that bug in his ear that, you know, Hey, and this is all like, well, we're working on the truck and, you know, talking. And then I kind of got to the point. I was like, Hey, you know, like I'm always looking for new places to bow hunt. Like I just bow hunt. Would it be cool if I, you know, bow hunted back there? He's like, Oh, absolutely. And I was like, well, I would, I would love to maybe, you know, give you some, some meat, you know, in exchange for that. And he, his eyes lit up and he's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, I mean, you just never know what kind of, uh, what kind of property. I mean, I haven't even like, I haven't walked foot on it. It's only four acres. So my thought process is wait till like see in season and just go in there and see there's tracks in there. And if I see something I like, I'll just stick a camera there for the year. And it's never Might not bad. It at all. It's never bad to have backup permission. I mean, exactly. you, have, you can get good permission somewhere and you can just keep that in your back pocket for the right day or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like everything else is fizzled out. Just to be able to have those properties. It's huge. Yep. And I, think, I got my foot in a door and a property. I really want to bow hunt. Mm-hmm. And I got turkey hunt and rabbit hunt on it this year. That was another property. So that's, you know, it's it's close to the house. It's I know there's good deer that move through the area. I've seen it with my eyes. And, you know, step one, got permission to rabbit and, and you know, turkey hunt. So the nice thing is after season, I'm in there. I can scout that whole thing while rabbit hunt. So then I'll know if it's worth, like, pushing a little harder to get bow hunting permission. And right. then turkey hunt you can go there and do the same thing and maybe pick up a shad or two or be like hey i'm gonna go in there and do that you know just very like these are other people pay taxes on this property you know so i tried my best to be as respectful as possible don't go there all the time you know not constantly there not constantly texting them all the time or calling them hey i'm gonna be here today hey i'm gonna be here tomorrow like i'm like some of those spots i only hunt like three times maybe the whole year just because i don't want to like last thing i want to do if i say hey yeah you can you know you can come over out back and you can use my barn for something, you know, and the dude is like there every single day. I'd get annoyed, you know, so like I kind of do the sporadic approach and do it. But yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that too. So could be a good fall. Could be. Well, yeah, hopefully you get some permission, Mason. You got a, you got a heck of a trip home <laughs> to go hunting in October. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's all right. But I think we can kind of wrap this thing up if you guys got anything else. I mean, that was a fun conversation. And I like that we can kind of all talk about it because I'm sure we'll be doing the same thing when we're all yeah. we're hunting. Get a little hunting up, we'll we need to know an update coming here in the future. I don't mm-hmm. know about you guys, but if I, yeah. if I have a good opportunity in October, I might be uh, might be wandering myself down there. Yeah, I would. Like, I mean, dudes shoot hammers in October in Illinois. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, all the people I follow and talk to, they, I think if you can do it in Michigan, which we've, we've had success doing it in Michigan, why can't you do it in Illinois? All right. You know, right. You, gotta be, you don't want to be reckless, but I mean, you right. can be calculated to make something happen. Yeah. Especially when we know this property is going to be easier to hunt at night than it is going to be in the morning. Absolutely. So, so you can actually get down there and probably hunt in the evening, get an extra mm-hmm. evening. So I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I know, I know we're all pretty pumped for the season it's just getting closer and closer and closer you, already, you got blood in your hands nate i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's it's here yeah we gotta get rid of those coyotes though i might uh, we probably should look around and see if we can find a trapper or something mm-hmm. and be like hey I, man you need to come trap this place i got yeah. 13 pictures of coyotes last night and i got four daylight pictures of them today Jeez. all all they're traveling in pairs too. I I don't know if you noticed that, but they're they're hunters, for sure. So it just 
I, there's got to be a den or something close. Remember when we were down there in February on that saddle on the bottom of the field and it looked mm-hmm. like a fox den or something? It wasn't like dug up, but it was like an old rooted up tree that they pushed their mm-hmm. way into. I, I don't know. I've never seen this many dogs before. So, yeah, it's excessive because I've got them on my cameras too. Probably the same ones, but that means they're working that whole property. I will say, you know, based on the information I've received from guys in Illinois, is there's coyotes everywhere. There's a lot of them. So, because no one hunts down there, that's the problem. You know, there goes me hunters. (laughs) (laughs) We got stopped on the road glassing for deer. What do you guys do? Help. Yeah, why are these people doing this? They're crazy. What are you doing? You're looking for deer? <laughs> oh, I do want to touch on. So we talked to one of the neighbors because we try to introduce ourselves to all of our neighbors to our lease, just because we don't want there to be any weirdness. But they made a pretty good point how they help out at a deer processor that's close by, and they said all bow season they might get what three hundred deer, three hundred deer, and then they said opening day gun they'll get three hundred deer one day. Yep. And I was like, and they were like, that's crazy. And I was like, if you only knew how many deer die in Michigan opening day gun. I mean, you're talking three times that at processors. Yeah, you know? this, was the, this was one of the, like, the only processors in the area. Correct. So, you know, you you know they're getting quite a few deer. Well, and so you it, look at what was our most deer that are this year in Michigan. What, if you looked at what was reported during the youth hunt, I think it was like over 3,000. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and like that could be not even half of what was. It I actually looked at, so I I had to report my doe, you know, and I did that day three. I waited because I was like, I'm gonna, I just did it last day because then I was like, I'll just look at the harvest report after I do mine. And I think it was 4,700 or yeah, 4,700 deer got shot in the youth hunt that were reported, and then like 47 got shot in the early doe. So that was not, almost 10,000 deer got shot in those two hunts in uh-huh. Michigan, you know, which is in like. The area we're talking about in Illinois, like that area that process covers, a pretty big area, very large area. Yeah, it's not like this little spot. We're like only three hundred deer. Like three hundred deer get shot like in ten minutes in Michigan. <laughs> area, you know, like, between seven and seven ten. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> seven and seven ten. Three hundred deer <laughs> easily are dead. Opening day gun season. So I mean, that's just the pressure. It's hard to describe that you know, to people who are in Michigan, you know, that's why we go out of state because we want to go places that the deer actually act like deer because mm-hmm. they're not harassed, you know, <laughs> but no, yeah. I think this is a great conversation guys. I appreciate you hopping on and doing this and uh, yeah. hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have another one with some, some antlers maybe on the ground or whatever, at least our journey. I think it'll be kind of cool. I always like relating to guys that do this on po- other podcasts, you know, kind of follow along and, you know we're we got nothing to hide so i mean we'll we'll be semi open this this thing isn't big enough for us to really have to worry about too much you know i think <laughs> about, uh, you know about it. <laughs> yeah if all of a sudden we start getting michigan plates driving up and down the roads where we're ever like you yeah, know maybe we need to be a little quieter but i mean right now i think if we can just help anyone else like yep. we're just ordinary dudes like there's nothing yep. special about us and we found a sweet lease and we're it to us it's already worth it and we haven't even hunted it yet so i mean anyone else that can get in that I hate that you have to lease stuff, you know, like you have to pay money to do it. But, you know, you split something five ways and have a good time. It really is affordable for that. Mm-hmm. So if anyone can be encouraged that and have a good time, get, get with some buddies and have fun, go for it. So, but yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. Get outside this week. Be like Drew. Go find a spot to hunt state land if you're bored. And got to keep, you know. The four-year-old buck isn't big enough for him to shoot this year, so he's going to go hunt some state land. <laughs> I'm, <not saying laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing. I've done the same thing. 
But uh, my mind nope. changes every day. Yeah, it could change. Yeah, you might get that camera might go off tomorrow, and you're like, I'm fully committed. <laughs> yeah, I can so. get the right angle and be like, that deer's dead. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you could be good. <laughs> but yeah, Mason, have a good couple weeks, man. Look forward to seeing you. And uh, yeah, everyone else, have a great week. Thanks for listening. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks.